Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, the podcast about disease prevention and health promotion from the Office of Integrative Medicine and Health at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. I'm Dr. Lee Frame, Program Director of the Integrative Medicine Program here at GW. And I'm Janet Rodriguez, the Office's Administrative Director. Today we're going to talk about neuromuscular therapy with Elizabeth Goldberg, a licensed massage therapist and wellness coach who practices at Freed Body Works on Capitol Hill. She first came to massage as a client with a repetitive stress injury. By working with incredible practitioners, Elizabeth was able to not only relieve the pain in her back, but also develop a, a new relationship with her body and mind. She believes strongly in the power of therapeutic body work. So do we. Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, Elizabeth. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today and talk about neuromuscular therapy. What is neuromuscular therapy? Neuromuscular therapy is a modality of body work, um, manual uh, modality, um, that focuses on trigger points. Um, so trigger points are small, taut bands of muscle that, as described by um, Janet Travell and David Simons, um, are exquisitely tender. Um, and I love that. Exquisitely tender. Um, they will refer pain. So you may be pressing on one place but feel it in another. Um, sometimes upon palpation, they will twitch and they test weak. So, for example, if you um, are trying to compare someone's biceps, for example, and see is there a, is there a trigger point there, um, you might kind of test the strength on each side. Um, and if there is a significant discrepancy, that might be an indication that there is a trigger point there. Um, so in any event, um, so neuromuscular therapy is mapping trigger points and using them, their identification and release to um, help people feel better from chronic pain and dysfunction. What attracted you to this approach? Um, so at first really is my personal story. Um, you know, I was a very serious musician. I don't know if you know this about me, Janet. Mm-hmm. I was a very serious musician for a long time. I was a French horn player um, and pianist as well. Um, and it got to the point where I was in my senior year of college and I was, you know, playing, I don't know, five, six hours a day. And I got to the point where I couldn't play for more than 20 or 30 minutes without being in searing pain between my shoulder blades. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was game to try anything. I was heating. I was icing. I was rolling. I was stretching. Mm-hmm. I was, um, you know, just and but also very much targeting on my back because that's where I felt the pain. And so finally, someone said, well, have you heard of neuromuscular therapy? And I hadn't. I'd had certainly had massages before, but hadn't heard of this specifically. And I said, fine, let's do it. Thankfully, um, it was right down the hill from where my my dorm was. And I was able to see a practitioner who changed my life. Uh, She identified, you know, where I was experiencing severe restriction in my range of motion she observed me move. She asked me to do certain movements. She measured me and she looked at me up against like a postural chart of just, you know, life-size graph paper uh, and was able to identify, you know, where one shoulder was higher than the other. And then therefore 
you identify those muscles and start to work on the release and then gave me, you know, home stretches and et cetera, things to do. Um, and it completely changed my life um, because, as you may know, most symphonies are a little bit longer than 20 to 30 minutes. So I uh, needed to be able to do that and be able to focus on playing, and I was able to. Um, further down the line, you know, things with chronic headaches, again, neuromuscular therapy helped me incredibly. So then, you know, as I transitioned my career to be a massage therapist, that was always in my mind of that's what I want to provide other people. And it also really fits very well with my personality. I'm a data-driven person. I like knowing the numbers. I like knowing the reasons, the hows and the whys. Um, and neuromuscular therapy is highly technical. You're doing that assessment and asking people to go into, you know, scapular abduction and circumduction and, you know, measuring and, you know, um, checking where things are in relation to each other. And also documenting that so you can see one's progress. Um, and also it's um, about detective work because the pain isn't necessarily where the problem is. And I like that a lot about it. And there's always you know, something new to learn and um, a different technique to try. It's interesting that you point out that the pain isn't always where the problem is. Um, and how you're you're acting sort of as a detective, which to me sounds very much like integrative medicine, right? We're trying to get to the root cause rather than just treating the symptoms. You know, you could just rub a cream on the area where the pain is and think that that's going to help, but it's probably not if it's referred pain. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, you know, we could, I think, discussing what referred pain is probably be helpful um, to our audience. Um, so, Referred pain is simply if you press on your shoulder, but you feel the sensation, sometimes pain, somewhere else. This is really common in headaches. Um, a lot of times you, know, you can squeeze that upper part of your shoulder near your neck, and you might feel something behind your eye. So that's referred pain. Um, and one of the things that makes trigger points um, more prevalent and you know, has really codified them scientifically was you know, the work of um, Janet Terrell and David Simons. And when they published in 1983, uh, Myofascial Pain and Dysfunction, uh, two volumes, where they showed trigger points where they occur in people's bodies and where they refer to. And this is over hundreds of people. So what's fascinating is that you know, we're all very different, obviously. But how come these mappings are happening in the same way? So certainly it's not something where X will always mark the spot. I'm not, that's kind of, by the way, that's very out of date at this point. But using that as a good initial frame of reference can make you a very educative detective. Now, where did you receive your training for this? Um, I went to the Potomac Massage Training Institute, which is local here in D.C., um, now in Silver Spring, still very local. Um, and then I've con gone through um, continuing education with the Neuromuscular Therapy Center um, and also Precision Neuromuscular Therapy. Um, and they do continuing education um, colloquia and classes around the country and done a fair bit of my, my own research as well. Being a data-driven person? Yes, exactly. Being a data-driven person, <clears throat> going through a large amount of PT for myself for different issues that I've had. Um, you know, one thing that people who have been in PT, it's very um, common now to receive dry needling is a phrase a lot of people are familiar with, where you take an acupuncture needle, you know, identify that tender, sore, trigger point spot and um, kind of poke at it literally until it twitches. 
Um, and that is in contrast to wet needling, by the way. Wet needling is when they um, inject either um, an, a saline or um, an analgesic. Uh, and so what they found is that was it really the injection that was neutralizing the trigger point? Or was it the disruption of the tissue itself? And so when you go in and use a needle to elicit a twitch response, they're identifying that, in fact, it was the irritation of the point and the work of the needle itself that was actually resolving the issue. Very interesting. So you're bringing up a little bit about the mechanics behind this technique of dry needling or wet needling. How does that relate to other uh, neuromuscular therapy and what mechanics are behind them? Um, so that's a great question, especially because as a massage therapist, I cannot do dry needling. Um, so the um, tools I have are, you know, my fingers. Um, and as I would tell um, my massage clients, also, you know, hands, fists, forearms, elbows. <laughs> I want to make sure we save our joints. Um, when you say so mechanics um, are, you know, identification. So, you know, watching this and then through palpation, um, you kind of, again, have that educated idea of where something might be um, and learn to kind of work around and with that muscle. Um, it does also require a lot of communication. Um, we're talking about taut bands of muscles at the micros potentially microscopic level. Although they now are able to see some trigger points on ultrasound, ultimately we're not really there yet as far as the imaging is concerned as being 100% you know, reliable in any context. So you really need communication with your client on the table um, to know where they're experiencing tenderness, pain, referral or not. Um, and then being able to, um, you know, work on that pain. So different tech, different schools of thought, some are, okay, you want to be at a seven out of 10 and hold it and 30 seconds, which in that moment is a lot of seconds. It feels quite long when you're feeling that pain. Others would say, no, you want to hold, you know, a four out of 10 or just, you know, stimulate it very briefly and then move away and then stretch. So there's different approaches. Um, but mechanically, uh, I think it all works ultimately the same way and is really highly dependent on the client. Um, ultimately, that's the most important piece of the puzzle is the, is the person in the room who's trusting you with their care. Agreed. Now, what specific types of conditions would benefit from neuromuscular therapy? Um, well, there are all sorts of conditions that, um, as an incredibly biased person, I believe neuromuscular <laughs> therapy can be beneficial for. Um, I particularly work very closely with um, shoulder and neck dysfunction, which means I see a lot of headaches. So any sort of headaches, upper back pain, lower back pain, plantar fasciitis, um, you know, sciatic symptoms, um, problems that mimic other problems. Um, I don't think there's anything dangerous in having someone watch you move because that will, you know, show what's going on or watching one move very in a very difficult way. You know, I had, you know, lower back surgery last year and it was probably not a lot to look at for me, but I know my physical therapist by watching me move got a lot of information. And so I ask my patients to do the same thing. It's very helpful for headaches um, in particular. And it's one of the things that I do, um, especially again, because of that postural piece, because of what we all do that I call uh, modern life syndrome of with our heads forward, uh, shoulders 
going front. Um, so helping anything that can open up the front of the chest. Just heard my back crack a little bit as I tried to mimic that. Um, but it can you know, be very help effective. with breathing. Excuse me. <laughs> Opening yes. the chest. Definitely help with that breathing. That da- that uh, soft belly diaphragmatic breath. I mean, when was the last time we felt our rib cage move in 365 degrees? just completely open. It doesn't just go front and back. I and mean, that's a really big part of neuromuscular therapy, actually, mm-hmm. in the sense that it's based on fascia, so that connective tissue that runs all throughout our body. And our, our bodies move in 3D. You know, we look at these um, anatomy charts and you see, you know, someone you know, in the front and the back. And that's because our the way we look at Western medicine is we are based on drawings of cadavers. So we have them on their front, And we have them on their back. Whereas, you know, anatomy chart in Eastern medicine is actually someone in motion. Mm. Um, There's like one one arm up and one leg up. So if you look in a um, traditional Chinese medicine practitioner's office, an acupuncturist's office, the meridians, which I know you've talked about before, um, have are on a person who's in motion. And I think that not one is not one is better than the other, but I think together they provide a lot of information we need that we are bodies that are in motion. Motion is lotion. That's how we're going to keep going. Uh, And that we all we live in 3D. And so, you know, our muscles are going in a lot of directions all at once. Um, and our fascia is containing all of it together. So it's a reason myofascial trigger points, muscular and fascial together, it's Um, highly important and that's the only way it really works there's not it's impossible to take one away from the other so you've you've mentioned quite a few different aspects of neuromuscular therapy that i think most people probably wouldn't associate with it um the whole eastern approach and then um when when i think of motion is lotion i actually typically think of the joints but it's equally important for what surrounds the joints Uh, and i was wondering what type of patients or what type of practitioners would you recommend refer their patients to you for neuromuscular therapy? I love working with physical therapists. I love working with spine and pain specialists. Um, I love working with osteopaths and orthopedic physicians. Uh, I think that having a massage therapist on your team is great for the your team of professionals and the your team as a patient. And I like being on people's team. I like being able to root for them. And I also like being able to work with people when they're in a maintenance phase. Um, so for example, if I have you know clients who have migraines, it's an equally productive session to have someone when they're when they're not having a migraine, when they're not even subacute, when they're doing really well, because there's an opportunity to see what might be lying underneath when you're not just trying to put out fires, but rather have a rational conversation with the body and the mind. Um, so I really do enjoy working with other healthcare practitioners, and I hope that um, others and you know, in conventional medicine come to see licensed massage therapists who are trained, who are passionate as part of their team. Are there any patients or conditions that you would think are contraindicated or just not a good idea for neuromuscular therapy? I think that it's really person to person, which um, I know sounds 
kind of like a duck out. But ultimately, it depends. It's not young, old, or anything like that. Um, when someone comes in, if they're in a state of panic, if there is an emotional attachment to their pain, there's all things that kind of need to come into consideration. Um, and neuromuscular therapy um, is can be very intense, and you want to have that relationship with a patient that allows you to go there and you know solve this problem together. So I think having thorough intake, thorough time is important. Um, and for patients who it's not their right time to go there, then that would be certainly a contraindication. Um, and I think anyone you know going through um, any sort of like large therapeutic regimen, for example, chemotherapy um, or major change in their life physiologically would probably be someone who should take some time away from neuromuscular therapy, um, but still certainly benefit from other types of body work. Now, I know that along with being a massage licensed massage therapist and um, neuromuscular therapist, you're also a wellness coach. Mm -hmm. How do you incorporate all of those things together? I mean, for me, it's difficult to not bring all of myself, um, you know, to my sessions with clients. Um, Although, you know, I often say to clients, um, you are like, oh, I'm feeling so bad and I'm sorry, this is this way. And I'm like, look, 60, 90 minutes has got nothing on life. <laughs> so what are the ways that we could think about life <laughs> as a place to increase one's wellness? So, um, you know, for example, I noticed that you are carrying a really heavy bag on your right shoulder. What's in the bag? What's making it that heavy? So not ditch the bag, not you're doing anything wrong, because that's that's counterproductive for everyone. But rather, what are the what are the ways in which your daily life and behaviors are either helping you or unfortunately sometimes hurting you? And I think as a wellness coach, I'm trained in strength-based coaching, positive psychology, transformative theories of change. And I'm able to help people dig a little deeper on what might help them outside the massage room. So it's not something that I necessarily turn on or turn off, but I'm glad to, when invited appropriately by the client and dictated by that relationship there, um, bring as a resource. Where might we find more resources on neuromuscular therapy if we want to learn more about it? I'm so glad you asked, Janet. I <laughs> So there's actually this really great um, workbook that's um, quite almost classic at this point called the trigger point therapy workbook Um, and it's your self-treatment guide for pain relief Um, and so this is by um, Claire Davies and what I like about this book in particular is that it goes through like very clear do's and don'ts breaks down anatomy into really understandable chunks and in fact shows you with quite clarity like how to work on yourself and provide pain relief. Not that I'm trying to put myself out of a job, but uh, (laughs) 
I think that, you know, being able to I mean, provide self-care and know when someone else might be able to best help you. Um, there's a lot of information um, out there, of course, um, you know, certainly any of your traditional resources. Um, I'm definitely going to provide Janet a resource list after our discussion today with some things that would be of interest to consumers and patients and some things that also might be of interest to people with a more technical eye as well. That's great. So one of the things we like to talk about on this show, other than resources and and getting people information, is talking about the research a little bit, because that can be difficult for the average practitioner or patient to try and keep up with uh, all the research that comes out every day. And I'm sure that you do your best to keep up with it. So if you could just give us maybe what are your top three research topics that have come out recently? More and more work on fibromyalgia um, and understanding its relationship um, to the central nervous system um, and kind of the peaks and valleys, what is a flare, things like that. I'm really interested as well in we're kind of coming out of the first major round of people who've been on Botox for migraines. Mm. Um, that's kind of like people have been doing it for many years at this point. We now have more data there. And the Botox is going into what are classic trigger points for oh, migraines. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's that analgesic. That's, um, so those are the two that um, I've certainly had my eye on. I'm also interested as dry needling becomes more and more common in physical therapy practices. I have so many clients who come to me and say that's what they've received. Um, I hope that that encourages more research there because what, I mean, it was so many of these things. It's another one where we know that we don't know so much more than we do know. Um, and that's true, you know, about many bodywork modalities. Elizabeth, how does manual therapy work on trigger points? Sure. Um, so there's several ways in which the palpation and manipulation of trigger points um, through manual therapy is effective um, as far as resolving that trigger point and therefore the pain pattern that it's um, eliciting. So the first is um, by causing intentional ischemia or lack of blood flow, so squeezing on something. And then when one releases, there's that rush of blood. You know, we all have that thing where we push on our arm and it goes pale. And when you release, you see, you know, the color come back to it. So doing that within a muscle um, and encouraging blood, nutrients, fresh oxygen flow to kind of rush through the gates, if you will. Um, and the second is by very gentle irritation, causing some intentional inflammation for which the body's natural healing response would kick in, natural address way of addressing inflammation. Um, and third is um, being able to guide a patient through passive range of motion, um, or easier said, just um, helping someone go through a normal way, a normal range of motion by doing it for them, as opposed to active someone doing it. Um, but to show that the muscle can be re-educated um, through that major motion. So I think that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much. Um, I'll just do very briefly just want to say that um, I'm at Freed Body Works where we offer many different modalities of massage, body work, energy work, um, at where uh, near the Potomac Avenue Metro on Capitol Hill. And you can also find me at the GW Center for Integrative Medicine.
Excellent. Thank you for joining us, Liz. Thank you. This is the GW Integrative Medicine Podcast from the GW Office of Integrative Medicine and Health. I'm Dr. Lee Frame. And I'm Janet Rodriguez. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.